welcome to season two of Step Monster. I'm Bailey and this is Elise. We're two friends who found each other by chance and haven't looked back since. In this podcast, we talk about the highs and lows of what it's like to truly be a stepmom. Grab a drink and join us for this wild ride. Hello, Step Monsters. Welcome back. We're really excited to bring a guest to today's episode, Megan McLaren. Megan is someone who we met through Instagram, which is how we know a lot of our listeners. And uh, she reached out and shared kind of a unique perspective that she has around being both a bio mom and a stepmom and some difficult situations that she's been through on her own. And we just felt like it was a natural fit to have her join our podcast. So Megan, we are super excited to have you today. Uh, you want to give a quick little little introduction and tell everybody who you are and, and what your situation looks like. Yes, absolutely. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So I am a bio mom to two-year-old twin girls and also a stepmom to two teenage boys, <laughs> age 17 and 14, so like opposite ends of the spectrum there. And I've been a stepmom for eight years. We have 50-50 custody, so we do a week on, a week off. Professionally, I'm a social worker and life coach by background. And so excited just to have this conversation with you guys because I really resonated with your guys' podcast. It's so fun to listen to. So thanks again for having me. We're really excited to have you on. Thanks for joining, Megan. All right. So some of the things that you had shared when you originally reached out were really interesting to me. You were saying specifically around grief and around, you know, feelings of basically mourning a life that you never got to have because of this situation. And I hear this this topic talked about not as often as I think it should be in the stepmom community because there's a stigma around grief and around mourning something because you chose another path which we talked about in a previous episode. And I think it's still okay to have grief. And I think it's still okay to to struggle. Like all of those feelings are valid and, and are normal. So I, when you reached out, you had also mentioned, you know, the feeling of guilt and shame about those feelings. Like, am I allowed to feel this way? Is it fair for me to feel guilty? And, you know, it, what what is causing this and how can I make it better? And I it sounds like, from what you shared, you've kind of come a long way. So do you want to talk a little bit about that, Megan? Yeah, absolutely. So when I entered into this relationship with my spouse, I had an idea of how it was going to go because on paper, everything looked pretty status quo. He had already been divorced for a couple years when I met him. He had had another relationship prior to me coming into the picture. His ex was remarried and had had a child with her new husband. So I was like, everything should be fine, right? Um, And that's not the way that things went. And so my expectations of things being pretty amicable weren't that way. And I am a pretty amicable person by nature. And so it was just like out of the blue for me why this was becoming an issue. And then as we started to have those first experiences, like having our own children or my biological children, those moments that I thought that we would share together were a little bit dampered because he had already had those moments with somebody else and it doesn't mean that he wasn't just as excited for us to have our girls but he was kind of cool calm and collected when they were born and I was the frantic one and I was hoping that we would be sharing those first things together and even something as simple as us doing the girls newborn pictures or wanting to take Christmas photos with Santa I had to think to myself like is this a time when I should be including the boys but I don't really want to include the boys but now I feel guilty about that and should I ask them or should I not ask them and what's Facebook gonna think when I post those pictures or what's his family gonna think when I want to do a Christmas card and they're not included and even though we're eight years in I still have those moments of going back and forth feeling like I'm in the wrong because I just want to have pictures with my girls and have different pictures with us all as a family. That's so interesting. You touched on something that came up a lot when I reached out to our Instagram followers on, you know, what are things when you think about grief and shame and feeling guilty? What are things that you feel guilty around? And the first is something that came up a lot. So it's 
and I, I didn't even think about the first song in terms of like family pictures either. I'm looking at Elise and looking at the family pictures that are behind her on the wall that I know include both her stepkids and her biological kid. And I find myself wondering, like, what was that conversation like? And I think there's there's so many weird nuances like that that I I mean I don't have biological child of my own, so I'm the I'm the odd man out out of the trio here. So I didn't really have to think about that. To me, it was just like, oh well, I guess we're a family, so we're gonna do family photos. Although I will say, the idea of family photos for me was was weird only because I was worried about what their mom would think about seeing or hearing about family photos when some people don't consider a stepmom and, you know, a divorced dad and two stepkids to be a quote-unquote family, which is sad when you think about it. So, Bailey, I'm not going to tell your dogs that you aren't claiming them next time at your house. <laughs> do, do not tell them. <laughs> also, Megan, even as you're talking, I'm, like, having anxiety. Like, thinking about family photos and, like, a, like, are the kids going to want to be in the family photos? If not, you don't want to force them. But like for me, I want everybody in a photo. So I'm kind of on the other spectrum. Like I get anxiety because the kids don't want to be in the photos. And I'm like, we're taking family photos. So yeah, literally, like my palms are sweating. I'm anxious over here. <laughs> yeah, I'm literally, I'm, my pits are sweating too. Like I, same thing. We just had that scenario in the summer around family photos and we did them all together with the boys and I remember the photographer saying to us can you just pretend like you like each other and I was horrified and embarrassed oh, and yeah. like I'm I want you in the photo I don't want to force you to do something you don't want to do though because it's authentic for me but maybe it's not authentic for you and so I still grieve that dynamic that I thought we would have because my mom was a stepmom and I saw that dynamic and thought it would just be replicated in my own situation and it couldn't be more opposite. And so when I have experiences like that, I, I internalize it and think like, am I the one creating this? Am I the one that's making it awkward and unauthentic or have I done something? But it's not about me. And so that's the work that I'm continually doing to remind myself of is that this isn't about me. It's more so about what I represent. Well, and I think that that's also something that I have to remind myself about because you do internalize it. Like, okay, well, am I being unreasonable that I'm asking them to take a few photos and then, you know, they can go sit in the car and, and hang out. Um, and I think it's, you know, one of those things that, again, in trying to not internalize it and reminding myself that, this is not a step family. And I try to do this a lot, right? This is not just a step family issue. When I was a teenager, if my parents were like, let's go take family photos, I hard eye roll. I would have been like, why can I just like go hang out with my friends and do something else? I don't want to be in these family photos. Yes. I was just thinking the same thing. So we do family photos. I try to do like every other year instead of every year just for torture purposes. My stepson is 17. So Megan, I know you can relate to this. Like family photos are just not something that he enjoys at that age. So, and just this past year, actually the last two years, I remember my stepdaughter telling me about the family photos they did with their mom and it was a struggle. It's like, it's not, you're right. At least it's not a, it's not a bio family versus a step family situation. Sometimes it's just teenagers and especially teenagers that are boys. They are, they just don't want to do those things. It's just not interesting. So I can imagine a photographer saying something similar to the effect of just pretend like you like each other for five minutes. Um, we have a, have a really cool photographer that we've used several years and she's like not a awkward person. She's a really nice person and she's kind of goofy and kind of funny. So she, she makes it lighthearted, which makes that a smidge easier. Yeah. And to go back, Megan, to what you mentioned about that, it's not the first time that he's had kids and gone through that. I try to remind myself that every birthing situation is different. Like even if it's your second, third child, it's always a different scenario. Like my mom has a different story about the birth of my older brother, me, and then my younger brother. Um, and while there's some similarities, definitely dynamic situations. And then you had twins. That's like a whole new environment and game, I would think. Yeah, absolutely. And I, 
remind myself of that as well. It still stings though. And so I like to just kind of normalize that sting because even the thought process of the going back and forth between, am I making the right decision? Do I have to include them? Sometimes truthfully, I just resent having that thought process because when I make choices for my girls, I'm like rock solid in those choices. I just make the choice and it's like easy. But then when I factor in the boys, I never feel rock solid in that. I'm always wondering, like, am I making the right choice here? And I wish it would get easier. And I don't know if it will because I'm not their biological mother. I know that I have a different role and I am really cognizant of not trying to impose myself in that role. But at the same time, I want them to know that I care and I'm invested like in their schoolwork and in their personal relationships. And so it's hard to find my place. And so that constant battle in my brain is something that I just wish I didn't have some days. Yeah, I can relate to that. Do you? So what is your what's your family setup look like? How often do you have custody of the boys? And then what is your relationship with them like? Do you do you get along and how how does that all look for you? Yeah, so it's 50-50. We do a week on, a week off. Um, I think we have a good relationship. You know, they are teenagers now, so they're a lot less involved and they've kind of pulled away a little bit where they want to be a bit more recluse and in their rooms. Things changed a lot when my daughters were born. I felt like our relationship got worse when my daughters were born. Um, and I grieve that because I really thought that they were going to be excited and elated to have babies in the family. And I envisioned them being so involved with my girls and they're not. For, and that's hard. You know, it's hard to watch that. And I feel for them. I have empathy for them because they didn't choose this life either. You know, they didn't choose to have divorced parents. They didn't choose to have more babies coming into the picture. Um and so I try and always just let them know that I care about them and I'm here for them and they can talk to me anytime they want. But now I've left more of those conversations around schoolwork or do you need help with this or help with that up to their mom and dad to have with them because I just want to try and maintain whatever relationship we have now. And I'm okay kind of stepping back and being more of a friend. But even that's hard and I grieve that because when they were little, I did a lot of those more like, mom type things for them like laundry and driving to the sports and the meal making and I felt more involved and I felt more included and now I feel a bit excluded. Yeah, that's tough. I one of the questions that we had got was does having an ours baby help? And my first thought was well, help what? <laughs> um does it help the relationship with you and your stepkids and obviously in this case it did not. Did it change so if you had been kind of grieving before like just the idea of not being able to ever really have a time where it was just you and your husband alone has always been you your husband and his kids did you ever like was there a shift for you in feeling a certain way about not having that alone time with him or did that help with kind of the grief that you were feeling about all of that or did it make it more exasperated because of what you had described earlier all the the first that you were hoping to experience together? Um, I think that we always had like a pretty rock solid relationship and then having the twins was just a different type of connection. But I honestly felt like the first year of the girl's life, things got really hard for our family um, because the birth of my girls brought up some issues for his ex-wife, I'm sure, because I, I felt it and I saw it and I saw the change in her behavior. Um, and so that dynamic got not great in our house for that first year because a lot of his time was spent with our girls because we had twins, you know, it wasn't that he was trying to choose. It was just the dynamic and the need of our of our family at that time because they were born premature. And so when you're trying to allocate time between a family of six, you kind of have to like do a bit of a hierarchy, right? Like, where's the need right now? Where do I have to spend my time? And I know he felt really pulled. And then I felt kind of abandoned in that time. So that first year was was rocky. I completely understand that and, and can share in the sentiment that not only are you trying to juggle having a newborn and you're a new mom and then the stressors on the other side. So like um, I was only in the hospital for 24 hours um, and then we were back home because of some dynamics 
um, with the co-parenting situation and needs of the kids. And while I was happy to be home because it was more relaxing and, you know, my parents were with us and so we had a ton of support, I do still think the first few years as a new mom, you're getting acclimated and trying to understand schedules and what the baby needs. And it's a lot, definitely. But I'm here to say my son just turned seven. It does get better. Yeah. And things have ironed out a little bit over time. Now the girls are just over two. Um, but even that birthing process, you know, I I grieved because I assumed that there would just maybe be a bit of a grace period in terms of the custody arrangement because our girls were born premature. I had an emergency C-section. I was in the hospital for three days and it was like, no. The day that I was discharged home, it was like, the boys have hockey and off my husband went to hockey and I'm like in a diaper bleeding with twins. (laughs) And so that's hard. You know, that's hard to give up that expectation of what you hoped that coming home from the hospital experience would be like. And I know that it's not my husband's fault. Like that's, it's written on paper, right? (laughs) What the custody agreement is. Um, But if it was reversed, I would hope that I would have a bit more empathy for that type of situation. How do you not feel resent and like anger towards your husband for that? I mean, because like you said, it's not his fault. And obviously a rational human brain understands that. But another common theme from the messages that we got around, you know, just feelings of guilt and feelings of shame is like, how do you deal with this? How do you not resent your husband or resent your stepkids or, you know, make those feelings just kind of stew inside and learn to to cope with your situation and learn to accept it? Yeah, they did stew for a long time. I'll be honest about that. They stewed for probably the first year because, again, I just didn't know how to find this new normal amongst what was happening. And I've never um, like spoken with his ex-wife in terms of things like arguments. I've never had arguments with her. It's just not something I'm willing to engage in. And this was another thing where I was like, I'm not going to reach out to her and let her know that I'm still in a diaper and like would appreciate some support, right? <laughs> and my husband is like the kindest person you've ever met. He's like water off a duck's back. And so again, I was like, me unleashing on him for how resentful I feel is not going to help this situation. And I know that he feels like a piece of shit. Like, let's be real. He's like leaving his wife at home with twins to go and take his boys to hockey, wants to be there for his boys too, wants to act like nothing needs to change. And that was a conversation we had to have in terms of whether you're, you know, a completely bio family or you're a bio and and step family, like, Things change no matter how many kids come along. I'm the youngest of five. And every time there was another kid, right, like things have to shift. You can't be at everybody's activities all at once. And so that was the messaging I was trying to have with my husband was around like, this isn't between the girls and the boys. It's just that our family has expanded. And so it's natural that things need to change. But that conversation didn't come along for a year because I I A, felt so guilty about even having the conversation because I didn't want it to come across like I was asking him to choose. And I didn't want to create any more problems. You know, I'm using air quotes for him because he was already feeling it from the other side in terms of those expectations and those comments made around like, you're not doing enough for the boys. You're not spending enough time with them. So it's like he couldn't win either way. And it's important that we talk about our needs, but again, it's, we, I think a stepmom sometimes wonder, like, am I just going to make things worse? Yeah, I, I can relate to that. Obviously, I, I haven't done the whole home from the hospital thing, but I did have a little resentment earlier on, and it, for me, it was mostly around things that we couldn't do because of the custody agreement or because of our schedule. So we also do one week on and one week off, and there were times, and actually, even there's still times. Uh, as an example, I'm going to Chicago next week for work, and my husband's company also is based in Chicago, and Elise and her husband are in Chicago. We're all friends, and I asked my husband, "Do you, can you come with me, and then you can be, be there for work, and I can be there for work, but it's his week with my stepson. And we were just in Hawaii recently. We had to adjust schedules because of that. 
there was like something else coming up that we have to adjust schedules for. And my stepson turns 18 in May. So we're very close to the end of this. But even still, I'm like, it's Monday through Thursday. It's four days. Are you sure there's nothing that you can do so you can just come with me? And he's like, I, I don't even want to bother like asking for another change after she she's been pretty accommodating his ex about if we need to shift schedule changes, they're they're both pretty flexible now, but sometimes it's just like a little bit too much to ask. But I couldn't help but in my gut be like, that sucks. And I feel that less now than I used to earlier on when in my mind, it's like, well, can we just trade a day here and trade a day there? And it just, it doesn't work like that. It's not that easy. Sometimes even asking can cause angry feelings between the two of them, which is really not something I ever want to do, but I I did mourn a little bit, not being able to take a vacation longer than six nights because we had to be back in time for Sunday 5 p.m. transition and not being able to do the extra things with my husband that I wanted to do. We've always wanted to go spend like three weeks in Europe, but we could never do that because we have a week on and we have a week off schedule and that's just too much to ask for the situation. So for me, when I when we got married, you you get married and you think if you don't have kids, you're doing all this traveling, but we never did that. And I still, even as I'm saying this, I'm it makes me a little bit sad, but of course I I wouldn't change our situation for anything. I love my stepkids and I love my husband, but I can definitely see how many stepmoms grieve that. And also from a financial perspective, right? Like if you're paying child support to somebody, how much money is that? And do you even have the funds and have the means to go on vacation because you're beholden to paying another family? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the boys are in a ton of sports all year long. And that's a continual thing that comes up when I even just ask like, hey, do you want to meet up with, you know, so-and-so and have dinner? And it's a constant thing of, you know, let me check the hockey schedule because hockey is like either every day or every second day. And just that um, choice that was made that had nothing to do with me because I never consented to the hockey, right, still affects my life. And so I grieve that because that means that my husband is away from the house a lot. It means that he's gone on weekends to tournaments. It means that we're paying money for something that, again, I never agreed to. And it's a, it's a cost that he splits with his ex. So um, that's fine, but it still impacts my life is what a lot of people don't understand is trying to accommodate a schedule or a commitment that I never agreed to impacts my life. Yeah, I have a stepmom friend of mine who we were talking the other day. Um, she actually has a really good relationship with the um, bio mom and bio mom reached out to her and was like, hey, one of the kids really wants to do this activity, but it's like 12 grand a year. Um, wanted to talk to you to see if you'd be able to contribute because she's really the breadwinner of everyone in the situation. Um, and she's like, called me right after they got off the phone and she's like, that's not like a situation that I should be put in. Like, and then it's like for college. Okay. So because she makes substantial income, are they going to expect her to contribute for these kids to go to college? And it's just like, it's interesting the things that you get asked as a stepmom to contribute to and then things that they're just like, eh, sorry, no, not going to happen. Oh, yeah. I mean, I always say the example that I'm sure you've heard before, right? It's like we're good enough until we're not. So sure, like I'm good to contribute financially. I'm good enough to drive people to practice. I'm good enough to pick up early from school when you have a meeting that's going longer. But then when it comes to talking about university selection, like that's a conversation that I shouldn't be included in. And that's what really frustrates me is I by my own choosing, have given a lot of my time, money, energy, like blood, sweat and tears to kids that I I love and I'm invested in their future. But the appreciation doesn't seem to be there or it's kind of like selectively there. How do you incorporate your professional? So you're a social worker, correct? Mm-hmm. How do you incorporate things that you've been taught and learned professionally to try to help manage and deal with some of this stuff? Yeah, that's a great question. I you know, talk about boundaries every single day with my clients, and I had to take a long, hard look in the mirror after my girls came along to really reevaluate my boundaries and look at when I was saying yes 
from an unauthentic place because my resentment was coming from that because I wanted to help. I wanted to make things easier, especially for my husband, because I knew he was really struggling to find the balance. But then I was just left feeling pissed about it because I didn't want to be doing the driving. I didn't want to be signing the school forms. I didn't want to be running out late at night to get lunch meat because I didn't have you know stuff for school lunches the next day. And I was taking on so much stuff and not really being appreciated for it. That was the big piece for me. And so I don't have a huge role in a lot of those things now by choice and my life is a lot easier for it. I'm there if they need me and I make it really clear that I'm there if they need me, but I don't just kind of step in unless I'm asked to. And even when I'm asked, I say no a lot. So that boundary piece has really shifted over the last two years. I think that makes a lot of sense. We we also talk about boundaries quite a bit because they're really important. And even last night, there was a message we got about a bio mom who was constantly asking for exceptions to the schedule change and constantly asking for, you know, the stepmom or the dad to do XYZ things. And she's went through this like five paragraph long email and explanation of, this is what's happening. I'm so angry about it. And my response back to her was, it sounds like someone is very bad at boundary setting. And I said, if she's constantly steamrolling over you and backing the truck up, it's because you're letting her. And it's because your husband is allowing her to get away with that. And while that's a real rough conversation to have to have, it's the reality and it's the truth. I mean, boundaries are are there for us to hold you. I mean, they mean nothing if you cannot be the one to hold the line because they are yours and yours alone. It, only you can can choose where people cross them and where they don't. So my therapist had an interesting perspective on this. And I think it's worth sharing that when you're in a relationship where you feel like you have no control for so long um, in, you know, this I think should create empathy for us as stepmoms that um, obviously the, these relationships dissolved for a reason, right? So when you're under that type of stress for so long, sometimes the trauma response is you just don't even want to have to deal with it because you couldn't figure out how to navigate it before. And so you can't really figure out how to navigate it now. So you avoid, which I thought was a perfect example of why sometimes these men don't draw hard boundaries and just say no, or that's not going to happen and, and set that expectation that they can't be steamrolled. And I think it's because the trauma response. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're so right. And that's, that's my husband for the most part is he just kind of just doesn't engage when things are going a bit sour. And I've had to then set the boundary, which is not uncomfortable for me, but it's not, again, the experience that I wanted. I really wanted to have the experience where like she could just text me and be like, oh my gosh, I got a meeting running late. Like, can you grab them from school? Because I'm right in the area. <laughs> like, I really wanted it to be that way and just help each other out because I just thought it looked that way on paper, right? What I said, they had already been separated for a while, well, but it's not that way. with your mom. So you're like, totally. you had an unfair expectation. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm like, why can't it be that way? Why can't it be that way? But it can't. And so I still fall into the trap sometimes where I overextend myself for the sake of the kids, right? Like I just try to picture what they're going through and they can pick up on the tension right as much as we try and shield them from it um but then I'm re- reminded why I have to hold this boundary because it's usually me that's getting burnt on the other end of it and those boundaries have gotten pretty like strict in some ways in terms of me saying like you know she can wait outside to pick up the boys because I just don't feel comfortable with her in my house anymore which is really really unfortunate but it's in the best interest of my mental health that it be that way. I fully support that. We had always done the not really come inside when we were in peak transition period. I I also felt just weird about that. Yeah. And I think that as long as we're exuding the message of just because we set boundaries doesn't mean that we don't love you. doesn't mean that we don't want to spend, you know, all the, do all the things with you and be a positive, just continued um, role model and, and relationship. But like you said, Megan, sometimes we 
it's the mental health piece, right? So there's only so much that I'm going to allow in my life before I am a hard no. And it doesn't change my feelings with the kids. It doesn't change um, my feelings with my husband. It's just, that's my boundary. And yeah, absolutely. And I think where I continue to struggle with that is explaining it to the boys, right? Or making them feel comfortable with that type of dynamic and always wondering if I'm saying the right thing or the wrong thing, or am I doing what's best for them? You know, should I just suck it up and and allow that type of dynamic because it's easier for them? But it's been so many years of it being like, you know, good for a little bit, and then it goes really sour for a little bit, and then it's good again for a bit, whereas I would just prefer for my own anxiety to be consistent. Like, even if that means it's consistently not so good, at least I know what to expect when we have the drop-offs or the sporting events or the big, you know, graduation ceremonies. I just know where I stand because coming into a situation and constantly not knowing where you stand with someone it's like, it's awful. It's like, are they going to say hi? Are they not going to say hi? Am I getting ignored today or what? Right? Like, it's just really unhealthy. <laughs> it is really unhealthy. And you're right. The unpredictability is so challenging <laughs> to deal with. You never know how it's going to go. And the for, I've, I can relate to that so hard. Um, one thing that you mentioned reminded me of another question that we had got. So you were, you were saying, you know, you often try to keep consistency and try to also consider your stepkids feelings around whatever it is that you're trying to accommodate or adjust in your household to maintain that peace and sanity. Have you ever found that you have struggled with treating the kids a little bit differently? So your bio kids versus your stepkids, sometimes the the parent, the bio parent wants to, you know, spoil your kids and You want to do, you know, special things with just your kids. Earlier, you had mentioned taking family photos. You want to do that with just your kids. How have you balanced the feeling of wanting to treat like one set of kids, be it stepkids one way or certain rules one way and your your own kids another way? Yeah. And so with the girls being so young, I mean, it's really kind of different right now. I think if they were around the same age, we might see some of that divide a little bit. Um, But when we talk about our parenting values, it's a conversation between my husband and I and how we choose to run our house. And so there's a huge difference between how we run our house and how she runs her house. And I would say that we're the non-preferred house, which is hard. Um, But we run our house in a way that works for everybody. And so even when we were just trying to set up boundaries around like noise, because, you know, the girls were napping or... um, like cleaning up after each other, things like that, that has been a struggle because that's not kind of replicated at their mom's house. But in terms of if we are going to like raise the girls in a different way than we're currently treating the boys, I think that my preference would be that they were raised in a slightly different way because I just come from a different, you know, value base of parenting. Um, And again, that's kind of a role that I've excused myself from as long as they're not being like disrespectful or hurtful or, you know, breaking things. But when it comes to like the the nitty gritty parenting or the disciplining, I leave that to my husband. And I'm in a way, I'm glad that the girls are so young because there's not a lot of conversations around, oh, they got this or they got that because they're just not at that stage yet. Right. In terms of like buying clothes or sports or things like that. Um, But when we did the photos uh the photos were with Santa so I just wanted to take some pictures of the girls with Santa and that was a really awkward conversation in terms of we were going to leave and I thought my husband had told the boys because they had just transitioned back on that day and then it was like well where are you going I said oh well we're going to you know take the girls for pictures with Santa I thought that your dad had told you that and I guess he had missed that and it definitely seemed like they maybe felt excluded from it or like they, you know, weren't wanted there. And so I don't know if that was the right choice, but I do constantly remind myself that I am allowed to choose those moments even when they feel uncomfortable. I think the part where we explain it and kind of circle back with the boys is the really important piece. That's what I was going to say, because there's always the opportunity that you can say, I assume that you wouldn't want to get photos with Santa, but you know, do you want to be in a, included in that in the future and see how they respond? Because I would, I don't know, I've never been a teenage boy, but I would assume that they don't want to go get photos of Santa. 
Yeah, that was my assumption. Like it was specifically with like a newborn baby photographer. And and when we sent out the Christmas card, I had done like a collage of just pictures of all the kids, right? So it was something that I still included them in. But again, it's like one of those times where I'm constantly second guessing myself and then just hating that I'm in that space. I just wish that I could like make a choice and feel really good about it and continue on with my day. Yeah. At what point do you just stop worrying about it? I don't know if I will, because even my husband is like, oh, like I assumed you didn't want to come, right, bud? And then sorry, I didn't tell you about it. And I think even he is like up in the air with his own kids of, of if he's doing right by the situation. Um, and so what I, again, continue to remind myself of is like, I deserve those moments too. And I think when I was talking to you on the phone, Bailey, I was saying like, I say to my husband, like, well, didn't you know what you were signing up for that you were choosing to get into a relationship again and have a dynamic with someone else that's not the biological mother of your children and that I'm entitled to those moments too and I get to have those one-on-one times too like my husband has one-on-one times with his boys all the time they go for lunch and do all kinds of stuff so why can't I have that same time with just the girls that's so funny we tease my husband about that all the time we say you didn't realize you were going to have to keep three women happy, did you? He thought one was hard because now he's got me, my stepdaughter, and his ex-wife. <laughs> I need to start trolling my husband now, guys. <laughs> I think I think you need to. You're like, oh, you thought it was going to be easy oh, to keep two women happy? You thought that was going to be fun? <laughs> he's gotten off too easy these years. <laughs> I mean, we're worth it if we're being honest, but I don't think he expected that. <laughs> Humble brag. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I... I know that my husband's like been put through the ringer a lot of the times. And so on one hand, like I said, I don't want to make it worse for him. But then on the other hand, I've spent so many years not advocating for my needs, not being honest about what I felt comfortable with or not comfortable with. Like in the early years, I remember his kids climbing into bed with us and me not saying anything, even though I was like, I am not cool with this. Like my bed is like my sanctuary space. But it was like, I didn't want to rock the boat. And now I'm just like, I would really prefer to rock the boat as opposed to just stewing in resentment. That's such a good way to put that. Also, the whole kids in bed thing is a huge topic right now. On I'm on the stepmom Reddit and there's been like debates daily about that. And especially the difference between like bio kids and step kids. Like if you have kids that are the same age, and you're letting your bio kid in your bed, but then you feel uncomfortable with your step kids, is that really fair to them? And I think really it mostly applies for like the younger kids. And I've always been the same. Like my bedroom is my sanctuary. There there are two things that should be happening in that bedroom, sleep and sex. (laughs) There should be no children in there. But I know like for me, I just, I also have, I don't have bio kids. So I don't know if that's just, am I weird for for that? Like, I I also feel like if I did have a bio kid, I might want to snuggle them in my bed and like cozy up and watch a movie or something like that. Like, that sounds fun to me, but you you can't treat the kids differently, right? It's all like, let them in or don't let them in. And I, I don't know, at least I, I feel like you have an opinion on this. <laughs> Do you see my face over here? Well, okay. So when, before we had our son, our middle would climb into our bed in the middle of the night or she just would want to be in our room and I'm laughing because my husband would be like we had a couch at our old house in our bedroom and he would be like okay you can go sleep on the couch if you want to sleep in our room but you can't sleep in our bed and I'm like what I mean she's still in here so like whatever but I wasn't gonna argue about it like he was adamant so then with our son he climbs into our bed in the middle of the night And yeah, like I like the snuggles, whatever, but it wasn't, I never felt differently. I had always felt like it was fine if a kid wants to get in our bed in the middle of the night. As they get bigger, it's super uncomfortable because like these kids do not stay still whatsoever. So now I'm the one, my husband's like, oh, I think it's fine if he comes into our bed in the middle of the night. Like, you know, he's our last one. We're not going to have any more. Like it'll end eventually. And I'm like, uh, can you go lay in his bed with him? Because A, I want to sleep and I'm tired of getting kicked in the back. Yes, fair. (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. I mean, because the boys are teenagers now, I think it's more uncomfortable for me to have them in my room because like sometimes there's like a bra on the floor, like whatever's going on, right? And so... 
I have heard a comment before where they're like, well, the girls are in your room. And I'm like, well, they don't like they're not really aware of what's happening right now. Right. In terms of like, they don't know that my underwear is on the floor. They're so young and I don't intentionally have them in my room. They just like zip in there when I'm not looking. Right. And so in terms of if the girls can play in my room or stay in my room, I don't I don't have them in there because it's like my one space where there's not, you know, toys all over the place and things like that and that has been weird for the boys I know because even if they're like oh do you have nail clippers like they just want to pop in there right and I'm like I'll get them yes my son <laughs> don't go in my room all please. the time I've ba- basically warned him like if you're gonna waltz in you better be just prepared for whatever may be laying around like I I can't help it <laughs> yeah our bedroom has always been an open door and like even when we remodeled the house the kids would like take their friends. We have a steam shower and they'd be like, can we go in our bathing suits? And I'm like, yeah, that's totally fine. The only time that I was, um, not, or the times that I have not been happy about them being in our room is they'll go in my closet and like get clothes, which fine if you want to borrow my clothes, but it's not like a gentle, like, let me take Elisa's shirt or let me take these, you know, pants it's things end up all over and I'm kind of OCD about my closet. Totally fair. With teenage boys, you don't have to worry about that. Or maybe you do. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I've not had to worry. Although my stepson has recently discovered that joggers are super comfortable for him. He's always been like anti-pants of every kind. It's been like shorts only, even in the winter. But recently they went to Colorado to go skiing and he was wearing shorts on the plane. I was like, dude, you're going to freeze. And then I guess like the moment they got to our condo, he asked my husband if he could borrow a pair of his joggers. And then he's been wearing them ever since. So now I was like, I can buy you your own. He was like, no, it's fine. I'll just borrow dad's until it gets warm enough here. You're going to find them in your closet and your husband (laughs) will be like, what is happening? Totally. The other morning he asked me, he was downstairs and he was like, I had seen that my stepdaughter's bedroom light was on and she doesn't live here anymore. And I was like, why, why was her light on? And he was like, well, I was looking for a jacket. I'm like, do you do you need an extra jacket? And he was like, "Well, I'm. It's really cold out this morning, and he was wearing shorts and a sweatshirt." And I'm like, "Well, do you do you want pants? Do you have pants?" And he's like, "They're dirty." I'm like, "All right, I'll go get you a pair of my husband's pants so that you're not cold." But I'm like, "Oh, geez, kid." <laughs> By the way, I feel like this is your husband's uniform: joggers and like a t-shirt. And one hundred percent. But that's like totally in style right now. Yeah, he pretty much lives in that. I mean, we both work from home, so it's like real pants are, are rare here. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, my, yeah. mine just got a pair, and he's like, at first it was kind of weird because they're so tight at the bottom, and this is completely unrelated. Like, I'm way off track, but um, he really likes them. He's like, they're tight at the bottom, like loose on the top, and I'm like, no, they look great on you. Totally. They, joggers look great on everybody. Anyways, the the last topic that I wanted to cover uh, with you, Megan, was because the, all, I think actually all three of us have stepkids that are close to 18, the like the age that all of us look to, to be like, our lives are going to significantly shift. And I don't really know if that's always the case. I mean, for me, the only thing that changed when my stepdaughter turned 18 was that I didn't have to feel weird about taking her shopping and her mom being mad about whatever I bought her because she's 18. And then obviously she moved out to go to college. So that was different too. And we just had my stepson. So they weren't riling each other up all the time. But I think about when my stepson turned 18 and my husband and I are like, we're going to move to Colorado. We're going to have all this freedom. And then in reality, it's like, well, he's not, it's not like he's not going to want to see us at all. Or maybe he's not going to go live in the dorms. Maybe he wants to live at home for college. And Maybe you have stepkids that want to live at home and maybe instead of them living at home half the time, maybe they want to live with you full time. And I think there's a lot of questions like that swirling around in the stepmom community. I'm curious to hear your takes on that. Yeah. So my eldest stepson turns 18 in March. So it's like right away. And I really don't foresee there being that big of a shift to be honest like we're in a city where if he chooses to go to university here very likely that he'll stay at home Um, and I have no idea if he would choose to continue going back and forth or if he would just favor one house over, over the other and that has been like a hot topic in our house because our house right now is like stretched to the max and so part of me was kind of hoping that if he went away to university, we would have that extra space, right? So that 
my twins, who always wake each other up during the night, could have their own bedrooms. And I honestly don't foresee it being a thing where when both of them are above the age of 18, that we won't have that interaction with with bio mom because her personality type is one that like, yeah, you know, reaches out for like the random conversation or the updates on something that doesn't pertain to the kids, which again has been a huge struggle and something that I have grieved in terms of like, where did this dynamic come from? Why is this something that pops up during the day or why is your phone going off at midnight? But I think this will be a lifelong thing of where they're constantly in each other's lives to talk about the boys, whether they're 30 and have their own kids or whether they're still like in school. Um, how do you, how do I deal with that? What? Like, yeah, not well. What's the conversation between you and your husband when that happens? And is it frequently or just like, I, I'm yeah. Flabbergasted. Yeah. It's gotten, it's gotten less frequent, but she is somebody who, you know, doesn't really like respect boundaries when you set the boundaries and she's like a self-proclaimed night owl. So midnight to her is like not a big deal. Whereas I'm not a night owl. You know, I've got two-year-old kids. We're usually up at like 5.30 in the morning. I work two jobs. Like I need my sleep. And the conversation around like, can you not send a text at midnight? Could you just like, you know, reach out to me in the morning was not well received in terms of like, oh my gosh, you're so difficult that I can't even just send a text, you know? And that's how most of the conversations have gone around boundaries because there's a betrayal there. Like she's flexible, but really it's just not wanting to respect a boundary. Because if you were flexible, you'd be like, yeah, oh yeah, sorry, absolutely. Like, sorry, I woke you up or sorry, I, you know, disrupted the house. Same thing around dinner time texts or just evening texts, because I just come from a family where like we were old school and you didn't call people around dinner time or you didn't, you know, call people after a certain hour in the evening um, but she's someone where it's like if she has a thought, like it's an immediate text or phone call to address that thought. Does she expect a response that night? Yeah. Yeah. So my recommendation would be that when he goes to bed, like you can put your, your phone in um, bedtime mode where you doesn't alert you or like do not disturb. There's no one on the planet and there's no court or judge that would ever say that that's okay, that, that what she's doing, she's absolutely wrong. So that would, yeah, I'd be drawing a hard line on that one, but you know, he's got to be open to setting that boundary with her. Yeah. We have just switched to like turning the phones off or things like that. But even those types of conversations where he'll be like, Oh, I got a text at midnight. I asked to just kind of be removed from it because it's like on a need to know basis, right? Like I don't need to know that that's the time that the text came in and it's just going to piss me off. So unless it directly affects me or maybe you need my feedback because it's a scheduling thing. Most of the time that they're discussing things, I just ask to not be involved because I truly don't really need to be involved. And whether it was that they got into a bit of a fight or, you know, they didn't agree on something, it doesn't need to really have my input on it. And again, it was just weighing negatively on my mental health because of course I'm going to be like, have an allegiance to my husband, right? And get kind of defensive for him. Um, but I just prefer not to know. Do you and your husband have guidelines behind like if something's really bothering him that he was communicating with her that maybe they didn't agree on and he wants to talk to you about it? How does he approach that situation with you? Yeah, we do have guidelines on that. So we've talked a lot about the times of day he chooses to have those conversations with me because <laughs> he's also someone where if like a thought comes into his mind, he just wants to talk about it. So then he would be talking about it when I'm like trying to work or like in the middle of getting the girls to bed and like already a bit stressed. So if he's going to talk about it with me, it needs to be in a time when we're both pretty like settled and he will ask. He'll be like, something's on my mind that I just can't seem to shake. Can we talk about it? And sometimes I've said no, because I'm just like not in a place to have the conversation for whatever reason. And he'll be like, okay, like fair enough. Or sometimes I'm like, sure. And I also ask him too, like, do you need me to just listen? Or are you asking me for advice? Because there's a big difference there. And sometimes that's led to us having a bit of a disagreement because he's like, I didn't actually want your advice. I was just venting, right? And so I'm really careful to ask, like, what do you need from me right now? That's such a good point. I, I know, Elise, you have talked about similar approaches to difficult conversations, just making sure that 
both of you are in the right headspace in order to be able to have a productive conversation and get the output that you need or don't need. (laughs) Well, I think it just helps to avoid, like you said, Megan, uh, arguments. I can't tell you how many just stupid arguments I got into with my husband because I didn't ask him what his expectation was for me as a listener or a provider of advice. And I like to provide advice when I should just listen. Fair point. (laughs) All right. Well, we have covered a lot of different topics and I'm so grateful, Megan, to have you join us. If we had to wrap up on any positive note, is there anything, Megan, that you would want to tell our listeners in terms of just advice, how to keep your head on straight, how you've gotten to the place where it seems like you've been able to balance and manage some semblance of of peace? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I keep my head on straight because anytime that I'm making a choice, I ask if it's something that I authentically want to do and where I want to put my energy. So if it's, you know, driving someone to a practice, do I want to do that? And if I don't, I need to say no. And when I started saying no, I practiced it in really small steps because it didn't feel good at first. And having time with my spouse and with my biological kids are things that we intentionally schedule so that I don't feel like I'm missing out on those experiences that are really important to me. And so my inner critic around those things is constantly in a positive light of just letting myself know that my feelings around that are valid. You know, my feelings of guilt or shame are valid and that I am allowed to make those choices for myself as a biological mom and also as a stepmom. Sage advice, most definitely. Well, thank you again for joining us. And to those listening, if you enjoyed listening, you can reach out to Megan and ask more questions. If you want to get to know her more, we'll put a link to her website and her Instagram in the show notes. And if you like us and you like our podcast, you can always give us a rating on Apple or Spotify. You can leave us a review on Apple. You can email us stepmonsterpodcast at gmail.com. As a reminder, we're still doing minisodes and take those submissions via Instagram and uh, email. And that's where we take your specific situation and give you a dedicated mini episode to talking through your issue. So thank you again for listening and we hope you come back soon. Thanks, Megan. Thank you guys. I so appreciate your time and for having me.